Last week we began our sermon series based off of the chorus of the Newsboys song, We Believe. We've talked about vision this year. We've talked about having 2020 spiritual vision. That's a goal that we should have. How do we have 2020 spiritual vision in 2020 if we don't know what we believe or in whom we believe? So we started talking about this last week. The chorus of the song says, We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again. We believe. Amen. We believe that. We believe that. If he wasn't coming back, we wouldn't be here today, would we? We believe that. Last week, we started off talking about our belief in God the Father. And we looked at certain names of God in Scripture and certain attributes about his character. And then we concluded with the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the, the, God, the God in that in that story is represented with the father. And the father in that story runs to his son when his son decides to come back. And that tells us about God's character. He runs to us when we decide to come to him. We need to praise God for God the Father in whom we believe. And today, we're going to talk about we believe in Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Ask yourself that question as we go through this this morning. Who is Jesus Christ to you? I want to start off with a conversation Jesus is having with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. So Jesus and his disciples are about 120 miles from Jerusalem. They're up in the northern Palestine area, and we're closing in on the time that he is going to come in and he's going to go to the cross and die. But before he goes and before he does this, he wants his followers, his disciples, those closest to him, to realize two things. First of all, who he is, and second of all, what he's going to do. Those are two things we all need to understand, right? We need to understand the person of Jesus Christ, and we need to understand the work of Jesus Christ, this Jesus Christ in whom we believe. Who here likes to take tests? Do we have any test takers in here? A few people. All right. Well, i got to tell you, in college, the big question is, at the end of the semester, is the final exam going to be cumulative or not cumulative, Right? Because if it's a cumulative final exam, on that day you take the test, you're responsible for everything learned in that class. If it's not a cumulative final exam, then you're responsible for what you've learned toward the end of the semester. I always hated cumulative final exams, right? And so as a college instructor today, my final exam is not cumulative. My philosophy is life is hard enough without cumulative final exams. Amen? Amen, right? Okay, you're with me. My students usually are too. Well, here we have the disciples, 
And they've been with Jesus for three years. And they've seen a lot, haven't they? They've experienced a lot. And now it's getting final exam time. And he asks them, who does the crowd say that I am? And then he says, who do you guys say that I am? Their response to this question determines where they spend eternity. And our response does as well. We've got to be careful as we take this test. We don't want to miss this question because the way we answer it requires us to respond and do some things. We can't just answer this question intellectually in our heads. We have to answer it in our hearts as well. Who is Jesus Christ to you? This is a recurring question. That should be the first point. Yeah, there's a guy pondering, right? This is a recurring question, a perennial question. It's a question that's been around every generation, every life, over and over again. This question is asked, who is Jesus Christ? There's no neutrality with this question. We can't avoid it. It has to be answered. And so we read in Matthew 16, 14, the opinion of the crowd. Who do, who do the people say that I am, Jesus asked. Well, one theory is John the Baptist because of his preaching of repentance. But Jesus was a far greater preacher than John the Baptist. He spoke with authority that astonished the people who heard him. He not only spoke the word of God, but he himself is the word of God. Amen? He's God in the flesh. John pointed to the lamb, but Jesus is the lamb. Second theory that the crowd had. Some say you're Elijah. Why Elijah? Because of his prayers, right? Elijah prayed and heaven opened and closed, whether it was rain or fire. Jesus had a powerful prayer life. The disciples had experienced this, right? They saw the power of his prayer. And you know, in Scripture, the disciples never asked Jesus how to preach. They never asked him how to do miracles, but they said, teach us how to do what? Pray. They wanted to know how to pray. It was astonishing to them. They were blown away with his ability to talk to God the Father. They were happy to learn they could do the same thing. Some people say you're Elijah. Another theory, they say that you're Jeremiah. Not Jeremiah. Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Why did they say this? Well, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, right? He was moved to tears. He was known for that. And church, Jesus Christ is known for being moved to tears, right? This is God himself in human flesh. Not that there's any other kind of flesh, but human flesh, right? God himself in the flesh. And he cries when he sees people, the multitude, as sheep without a shepherd. He cries when his good friend Lazarus has died and he sees the heartache and the grief of those around him. And he cries today, church. His heart breaks for us. Our tears is a language that God understands. Do we believe that? You know, when we cry, do you ever cry and you think, no one understands what I'm dealing with? I, you know, I'm, I'm going at this alone. No one knows why I'm so emotional about this or why this has moved me to tears. No one understands the pain I feel that I just can't express. God does, amen? Our tears a language God understands. 
So who's the crowd say I am, guys? Well, they say John the Baptist, they say Elijah, they say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But all these opinions are wrong. And you know why? Because we can't compare Jesus Christ to another man. We can't compare him to somebody else. He is unique. He is supreme. He's the name above all names. He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings. That's this Jesus Christ in whom we believe. And we'll never find the right answer to this recurring question by looking at public opinion polls or listening to what the crowd says, right? Sometimes maybe we're guilty of letting our religion be centered around what the consensus is or what most people think. But again, that's not where we find the answer to who Jesus Christ is to me. excuses you hear? What might you hear? Not good enough, right? What else might you hear? What? Work? Got to go to work? Yeah, that, that gets in the way sometimes. Do you ever find that when you invite people to church that maybe aren't interested in church or never have come to church, you get kind of the same answers over and over again? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of answers that kind of are answers that come from the crowd, right? Answers that you hear all the time. And when you hear the same excuses over and over again, there's really two things we can say about that. Number one, they originate from Satan, right, when they're excuses. And they've probably heard these excuses from somebody else. You might hear people say, the Bible's full of contradictions. Has anybody heard that one? Yeah. But do we ask the follow-up question, have you read the Bible? Or can you show me what you're talking about? Emma has. We might hear things like, well, I can worship God anywhere. I don't have to come to church. Do we go the next step and say, well, share with me where you worship God to start that conversation? Or, you know, the church just wants my money. We've heard that before. But there's so much more than our money that's important in church, right? Think about this. When we consider the question, who Jesus Christ is to me, Let's take that question out there. And maybe instead of inviting people to come to a place, we start off by asking them, who's Jesus Christ to you? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? You see, we can get people here all we want, and that's great, and we want people here, and that's, that's an awesome thing when we have visitors and friends that will come and hear the truth. But we don't convert them to a church. We convert them to Jesus Christ. Amen? So who is Jesus Christ to you? If we get the same excuses over and over again, maybe we need to start asking a different question, right? Who's Jesus Christ to you? Who's this Jesus Christ? The question Jesus asked was not a question to be answered by a public opinion poll. And the answer is not a group answer, right? I've given exams that have been group efforts before. This is not one of those exams, right? We can't answer the question, who is Jesus Christ, by telling God what my grandma believed or the way my mom and dad raised me or the way the church I went to believed when I grew up. Because not only is this a recurring question, this is a personal question. Jesus narrows the focus of his question in Matthew 16, 15. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? person must answer this question. The crowd can't answer for us. We can't opt out of answering and say, no thanks, I pass, right? Now, if God grants you enough time,
you may be able to delay answering that question. But it is a question we will all answer one day. There are really only four answers that we can give to the question, who is Jesus Christ to me? And I shouldn't say only, but I came up with four, right? A lot of times you'll hear people say, well, Jesus Christ was a legend. He wasn't somebody that was real. You know, he's somebody in, in, in literature or somebody who never really was here. But intellectually, it's hard to hold that, that conclusion because there's more historical proof that Jesus Christ existed than any other person in history. You believe that? There's more historical evidence that he was here than anybody else we read about or know about. There's too much evidence to believe that. The second answer we could give to who is Jesus Christ, we could say, well, he was a liar. He claimed to be something he's not. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He did a lot of good things, but he was not God in the flesh. But that position is hard to have because if somebody is lying to that extent, they can't be a good teacher or a good person or do good things because they would be a habitual pathological liar, right? So that position doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And people can see through that. And also, you know his disciples, all of them with the exception of one, died a horrific, painful death. Because they believed in him. There's historical evidence of that outside the Bible. Do you think people would endure a death like that for a lie? No, because it's true. That's why they were willing to suffer what they suffered. But we see lying everywhere today, don't we? It's hard to know what's the truth. Because in our society, the truth doesn't matter. What I say matters, right? Lying's everywhere around us. And if I see something I don't like, then society tells me, well, just call it fake or say that it doesn't matter and don't worry about it. For the Christian, the truth still matters. Amen? For the Christian, the truth still matters. It doesn't matter where I am in life or what I'm struggling with or what my politics are. The truth always matters for the Christian. There's a little boy who would go to school every Monday and his teacher would say, Billy, what'd you do this weekend? Billy would tell some pretty big tales about his weekend. One Monday morning, the teacher said, Billy, what'd you do this weekend? He said, well, I went fishing, and I caught 36 fish this long, all right? And the teacher laughed, and she knew he was lying. So the next Monday morning, she said, Billy, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, teacher, I went hunting, and I shot eight 10-point bucks. And this began to be a little bit of a sport with the teacher. So the next week, Monday, she said, Billy, what'd you do this past weekend? Well, teacher, I played baseball. And in one inning, I hit 16 home runs. The teacher said, okay, this is getting a little, a little out there. So she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Billy to the principal's office and just explain to the principal he's been lying. So she goes down to the principal and she says, I need you to talk to Billy. He's telling a lot of tales and, you know, it's funny at first, but it's getting kind of, kind of ridiculous. And the principal says, well, I've had some training in psychology. So I'll talk to Billy. I'll tell him about my weekend. So Billy walks into the principal's office, and the principal says, Billy, you want to know what happened to me this weekend? Sure, principal, what happened? Well, I was walking in the woods, and a big, huge black bear started chasing me. 
And I don't know where this little chihuahua dog jumped in and attacked that black bear and ate him up whole. Now, do you believe that, Billy? Billy said, sure do, principal. That was my dog. <laughs> we see lying everywhere. But the truth is, lying is not a joke. Some folks believe Satan's lie that Jesus himself was just a liar. But we know that's not true. Another response we can have to the question of who is Jesus, some people will say, well, he was a lunatic. He might have had good intentions, but he was crazy. But you know what? When you read his words, we're told in Scripture the people marveled at what he said. They wanted to know where the source of his wisdom was. And brilliant minds, the most brilliant minds that have ever graced this earth have studied his words for centuries. We've only begun to scratch the surface of his wisdom. And so if he wasn't a legend, if he wasn't a liar, if he wasn't a lunatic, there's just one conclusion we can draw to the question of who is Jesus Christ to me? And the answer is he is Lord. Amen? He is Lord and Savior. And you know, poor Peter, he, Peter got it wrong a lot in Scripture. He's kind of like me. He's always the first to open his mouth, and sometimes his words got jammed back down his throat, right? Anybody else like that, or is that just me? Now, some of y'all's lying. Okay, all right. <laughs> but Peter, in this instance, he got the final exam right. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of Messiah, long-awaited, predicted Messiah. When you look at the Old Testament, Jesus fulfills every prophecy about the Messiah, what he would be like, how he would come, what he would do. How long can you wait to face this question when you know he's not a legend? It makes no sense he was a liar. It's clear he was no lunatic. Confess him as Lord. Repent and be baptized into him because here's the reality. Whether you accept Jesus or not on this earth, the day is coming according to Philippians 2, 10 and 11 when that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When that time comes, it will be too late for those who are not saved to be saved. If it's a question we're going to all answer one day, why not answer it here where you know you can be saved, where you know you have the promise of eternal life in heaven? We know that's what God wants, right? God tells us very plain in his scripture what his goal is. He says in 2 Peter 3, 9 through Peter, he tells, Peter tells us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's only through the blood of his Son that we can do that. Who's Jesus Christ to you? Not only is this a recurring question and a personal question, but it's also a providential question. Matthew 16, 17 tells us, Jesus replied after Peter answered. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. Jesus says it's through God's grace, his goodness, and his guidance that we can come to know who Jesus Christ is. 
right answer doesn't come by human speculation or answering or listening to the crowd. It comes through the Father. He can make that real in your heart. Darren read for us from John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. Let me tell you something I believe with all my heart. I believe it is no accident that you're here today. It's no accident that you're here today. God has arranged the circumstances of your life so that you will hear this message, who is Jesus Christ, and be forced to answer or consider in your mind that question, who is Jesus Christ to me? Don't just answer it in your head. Make sure it impacts your heart. Don't miss heaven by 18 inches. You know what the significance of 18 inches is? It's the distance from most people's head to their heart, unless you have a long neck, right? That's the distance between the head to the heart. Don't miss heaven by 18 inches. So what's the difference between believing in your head and in your heart? Well, several years ago, there was a guy who walked across a tightrope very high up in the air. And he had no safety net. There was a great crowd there to watch him do this. And so when he got to the other side, he got a wheelbarrow. And he wheeled that wheelbarrow across that tightrope, and the crowd was going wild. I mean, they were going crazy. And so when he got safely to the other side, he said, Okay, now who here believes that I can put a person in this wheelbarrow and wheel them across the tightrope? And they all said, Yeah, we believe you can do that. And they jumped up and they were screaming. And so the man points to a guy who has his hand high in the air, and he says, Okay, sir, now you get in this wheelbarrow. That guy shot up, took off, and was never seen again. Why? He believed in his head. But he didn't believe in his heart that this could be accomplished. So he ran. So who is Jesus Christ to you? We believe in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in your head and your heart that he's Lord and Savior? Good. Now the question is, what have you done about that? You know, Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. And when Peter is asked by the crowd in Pentecost, what do we got to do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's where it starts, church. Repent and be baptized into Jesus. Where this, we're coming in contact with that water, we come in contact with his blood. That blood that cleanses us. That blood that washes away our sins. That, it doesn't mean that we're going to live perfect lives from here on out, but it means we can be made perfect through the forgiveness of Jesus. Amen? We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us once we've done that. And that Spirit is the Spirit that will guide us, direct us, teach us, and help us recognize this God the Father, this Jesus Christ, Come to him today. Don't wait another moment. You know, the truth is, we're not guaranteed another moment. You know, we've all lost people very close to us. We had no idea we'd lose. Maybe no sign of illness, completely unexpected. That's how life is. You know, we all might be here 100 years from now, doubt it. A few of us might, a million. But we're not promised tomorrow. Every person will answer that question, who is Jesus Christ? Answer it on this side. Answer it while there's still hope. Answer it so you can have his peace and his joy and his love as you deal with this world. It ain't going to make this world perfect. It's not going to take all your problems away. It doesn't make life rosy. But it means you live this life with the promise of an eternal life there, knowing there's nothing this world can do to you to change that. 
Let that give you peace. That should give you comfort. If you're here this morning and you have a need, we want to invite you to come now as we stand and sing.